0: Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 43 of the best seats podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community for Orange County, the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I am your host, Groff McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend Allie Coyle for providing music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. A-L-I-C-O-Y-L-E Music.com. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. It helps other folks discover it. Go to TheBestSeats.com for more content just like this. I'm very happy to say that um, with things starting to Emerge. We're obviously still dealing with the global pandemic, but with uh case numbers dropping, vaccine counts going up, things like that. I felt it was the right time to open up some different opportunities uh over at patreon.com slash the best seats for advertising opportunities. This uh there's so many people that support through Patreon that make this podcast possible. I wouldn't be able to do it without you, I wouldn't be able to do the video content without you or the best seats in general. So I am forever in your debt and thankful. Obviously, advertising, it does nothing else but help. It allows me to create better content, more content, and provide even more fantastic things for everybody who does support on Patreon and free feeds for the uh, for that matter. I like you guys too, even though they're free feeds. It's fine. I love you. We're all good, and I'm happy for the support. Uh, there are going to be some advertisers that are going to be starting to come on the shows. There will be ad cuts uh, interjected at different parts of the episodes, and I'm very happy to say that this episode is prevented, or presented to you, excuse me, see it is new, by Heirloom Potage and Hire Lilo. But we'll get to more of that later. For now, let's talk about the guest for episode 43, my friend, cocktail director at CDM Restaurant in Corona Del Mar, Simone Rubio. She is an absolute force. Um, she is young, hungry, talented, just a beautiful personality and a human being. And I just, I absolutely adore her. She makes wonderful drinks. She's got the exact kind of aura about her that you want in your bartender. She has a massive, massive, massive knowledge of craft cocktails, of spirits, of flavor development, flavor enhancement, um, and just uh, just such a vivid personality to boot that I was so excited to sit down with her re-recorded this um, Actually on the two-year anniversary of CDM up in uh, Corona Demar, like I said, they had literally that day they were kind of prepping for service We recorded this at the speakeasy in the restaurant, which is called under CDM Which you will learn more about and hear about and you know If you are listening to this in Orange County, it's a likelihood you probably drank there yourself once or twice uh, just a fun conversation all about getting back behind the stick and what that means, developing flavors for different clientels, varied clienteles. Um, again, CDM is a restaurant that's earned a lot of accolades, rightfully so. So for her to be taking the helm and running the drinks there, it comes with a lot of pressure. And she's handling it with grace and style and charisma. And I'm so excited for you to learn more about her. If you are not already familiar with her, you will be now. Episode 43 of the Best Podcast, my friend, Simone Rubio. Hello, indeed. Simone, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down. I am so excited, A, to see you because I missed your face, and B, to sit down and get you on the show and kind of talk about all things that's been going on in your life, uh, things of the past year, and obviously what you've got going on behind the bar down here at under CDM, where I should mention we are recording this episode pre-service a little bit. So if there's any noises, apologies, but we should be good because we're hidden down here in your kind of cocktail layer. Yeah. For people that may not know you or your background, can you introduce yourself real quick and kind of give your history?
1: Yes. Uh, first things off, first podcast. So if I'm a little shaky, that's why. But my name is Simone Rubio. I am the cocktail bartender down here at under cdm i also help create the menu for upstairs and our lovely cigar lounge at the third level of cdm restaurant which is in corona del mar in beautiful pch um been doing this for about five years but i've been at cdm since they opened and today is actually our two-year anniversary
0: today is the actual anniversary yes all right serendipitous recording timing i didn't know that when i showed up today what well, happy anniversary to cdm yes. that's awesome
1: I mean, last year feels like it didn't count a little bit, but you know what?
0: No, it's a mulligan for everybody. Nobody exactly. had a birthday, no one got any older. It's it's a complete mulligan. Uh, Simone, you're a very talented bartender. You're somebody that I'm proud to have gotten to know and somebody that I'm very proud to call a friend. Where did your kind of passion and your journey with cocktails and bartending start at?
1: Uh, I'd have to say, i have been in the restaurant industry since I was 18. That was my first job. I used to smoke barbecue for the OC Fair and I did that for about two years. And then I kind of fell in love with restaurants and I wanted to get my foot in the door at a fine dining restaurant and Provenance in Newport Beach, may she rest in peace, was my first place doing that. Um, Started as a host, but I was a picky eater before then and I just got to try everything. Everything came from the garden. All the food was a composed architectural dish and I just fell in love with Kathy's passion for it and she very lovingly fostered her taste for food and her palate and her confidence and seasonality and zero waste into me. And if you've ever met Kathy Pavlos, if she's listening to this, hello. But she is a a tough cookie and in the best way possible. So she kind of fostered that love for for food and honestly, balancing flavors and that when I was given the opportunity to get behind the stick and have a mentor, it kind of just all fell into place for me.
0: Now that you are kind of getting back behind the stick and things are, for lack of a better way to say it, kind of opening up, um, what's it been like after being off for so long? You know, I've spoken with other bartenders recently um, who have kind of said that same thing. It's that that muscle memory and kind of getting those creative juices flowing. What's it been like for you since you've kind of come back?
1: So we're going back on, I think this week will be our month of being open. And I think the hardest thing for me was, I guess remembering my jargon at work the first week people would ask me questions about a cocktail menu I made and ask me a basic thing like what chartreuse tastes like and I'd kind of just it's French and bitter like pine needles and just remembering why I fell in love with this I had to take a step back and realize I can't just jump back into this and think it's going to be the same like I did take so much time off and I need to Refamiliarize refamiliarize myself with the bottles so that's probably the toughest part as far as guests go they're so kind and sweet for the most part and understanding of me being me being here and me being happy to be behind the stick and serving them and everyone's been so kind um, so that's been really great that's kind of been the hardest thing but guests have been wonderful business has been great so it really feels like we were missed which is something so special because I know some places kind of lost a lot of their crowd after that. But we're so grateful for this community to be so welcoming and excited to have us back and just keep coming back and making reservations.
0: Since you've been back, obviously, my first assumption is that it's just getting back into that way of doing service, just getting Mm -hmm. back into the everyday, getting back into the prep, getting into the during, the post, everything else. When are you getting back to the kind of menu development side of things? Is it mostly just about kind of welcoming that wave of diners back because it seems like when most people got the go ahead to open, it was like the floodgates kind of came out, you know, for as many people that are staying home, a lot of people went out and I think it kind of overwhelmed a lot of staffs. So where do you guys kind of stand in your day to day with that right now?
1: We're really lucky in the fact that every single one of our staff came back. Um, we didn't have to hire on very many new people. And if we did, it was just so we can have new servers. And that was already something that was in the process. Um, Menu development, I really wasn't going to change the menu when I came back, but, you know, diamonds are made under pressure, and I kind of changed my mind 24 hours before we opened and pumped out a new menu. Um, I did keep a lot of the classic cocktails, like our Smoked Old Fashioned and Vice and Virtue and another vodka cocktail, but as far as everything else, it was more – this menu was focused more on bespoke cocktails, reinterpretations of that, kind of getting people – more comfortable. I didn't want to put too many crazy things on the menu. So it's just a lot of riffs on Jack Roses and a daiquiri, Hemingway daiquiri on the menu right now and a lot of fun stuff. So that's been really good for us. Um, And I've changed the menu upstairs three times already and it's going to change again this Wednesday.
0: For those who have not been to CDM and they haven't been to under CDM where we're recording this or the restaurant proper, describe the difference between the two bars because they are very much two different animals oh, and yes. they're completely separate entities. Truly. What's it like not just coming back to work behind the bar, but when you're worrying about two completely separate beasts like that?
1: It's tough. Cause I want to be with my menu down here. You look at it, there's absinthe, there's chartreuse, there's amaros you've never heard of. There's a lot of items and spirits that I want to challenge the guests with. I want them to ask me questions. When I'm developing cocktails for upstairs, it's totally different because we, for one reason, we have increased in about 150% in capacity. We were a small restaurant to start off with, with only two bartenders working that upstairs bar. It's still two bartenders with 40 additional tables. So I really have to think about being kind to them in terms of speed. I don't want them having to muddle things. I want them to have pre-batch cocktails for the most part, but upstairs is a speed bar, I'm trying to kind of guide the guests to try new things. Like we have a classic margarita on the menu, which I think is sacrilege because people will order a margarita if they want one. Yeah. But I've been trying to put on different riffs of vodka cocktails. It's just more catering towards a simpler palette mm-hmm. and getting people to trust that this bar program is good. Some of the competing restaurants here in the area, they'll just put a cocktail on the menu to put a cocktail and not think about balance. They just know. People like ginger tart, so we're going to put Domain Canton with vodka and lemon, and it's, wow, it's a wonderful drink. And it may be, but I want to open the palate, so I have a cocktail up there that's probably my proudest thing. It's called the Gilded Lily. Mm-hmm. It's a rosemary olive oil fat-washed vodka that I do myself, and then it has a red tart berry cordial made with raspberries and strawberries that I adjust with citric acid, so it just bumps up that like spring tart flavor. And then it just gets fresh lemon juice and Lillet rose
0: which all sounds fantastic but because i know that not everybody who may be listening is a hardcore cocktail imbiber like myself and you really quickly because you said something that it's one of those things and this is going to lead to a bigger question i have about introducing guests to new flavors wind back up and really quickly kind of give the elevator pitch of what fat washing is for a spirit because it is something you see a lot but I know bartenders that will purposefully not put that on the menu oh, because they don't want to terrify people oh so it's not there <laughs> no, we go see I don't
1: even put it on the menu. <laughs> also because I want guests to look at it I know guests see a list and two more than two things you're like oh my god that's way too many things to read I've been there I agree so fat washing is just a process of taking a fat any like coconut oil, olive oil, bacon fat if you want, and infusing it with whatever flavors you want while it's hot and then pouring that into your spirit of choice. Um, Preferably a a clear spirit just because there's more of a basis to work off. There's more flavors it can take. Um, And then freezing that overnight. Obviously, alcohol won't freeze if it is true alcohol. And then that fat will solidify at the very top and all that flavor has already stuck to the ethanol within your spirit. And it just has this wonderful way of infusing um herbs and any other like fruits into a spirit without having to muddle it in there so that's basically fat washing i find it pretty straightforward but hearing how long-winded that response was i realized it may not be <laughs> as such but that's what it is
0: so i want to get back to that though introducing guests to new flavors CDM's a very good restaurant. It's a restaurant that's won a lot of accolades, and I I think rightfully so. It's gotten very kind of positive praise from the local kind of critics in the area, and it obviously has a very, very content and dedicated fanfare. When you're introducing people to spirits, though, it can be a little bit of an apprehensive thing because you have people, and let's just, I think, be candid about it because I don't think it's disparaging to the restaurant to say this. You have a socioeconomically content clientele. They know what they like and they're going to get what they like. And if you get in their way, it's not going to work out. So how do you appease someone and give someone exactly what they're looking for while introducing them to something new and still staying creative?
1: So probably a little contentious, but the way I see it is like ignorance is bliss to them. What they don't know and let them drink it. They enjoy it. Then kind of ex- take the time to sit down and, like, oh, you enjoy that cocktail. This is a process that goes into it. And this is actually in there, especially with cocktails where I kind of have hidden gin, as I like to call it, because people out here, they hate their gin. I don't know who hurt them. I'm so sorry, but gin is good. Gin, <laughs> gin is delicious. Gin is good. <laughs> I know. Gin is delicious. Not all gin is good, but just it tastes delicious in a cocktail. Um, but I just don't tell them until after. If it's something I can hide. Obviously, yeah, well, no, I like
0: mean, a, you know, someone's going to come up with an allergy. It's one thing, but hidden gin. Hidden I really gin. like that. Hidden gin. Hidden gin. That's going to be the name of the episode right there. Hidden it's going to be like a movie. <laughs> it's going to be said within it.
1: Hidden gin. It's honestly, I don't know who described it to me, but they said, why would you make a soup with just water as the base? Like, wouldn't you want to use vegetable broth or chicken broth to have that base? And that's kind of how I see gin. It has so many different expressions, like not just dry, like Tanqueray or feeder, which are have their place, but there's so a renaissance of gins that people just need to have their open palate to. And I don't want them to be scared of it. I'm like, trust me, it's not scary. It's not going to give you some Edgar Allan Poe esque depression, like within the second, like, (laughs) even though that's kind of what it was advertised as, I promise it's not going to happen. So that's kind of how I go about introducing guests. But what's hard is that I'm not up there. So I need to make sure my staff is patient enough with the product and patient enough with me and, when they have a full service bar, obviously I'm not going to expect them. I'm like, why you didn't tell them that my, my cocktail was fat wash and it takes 48 hours. I'm like, no, I don't expect that from them, but I do expect them. If a guest asks, what's the process of goes into it, that they can candidly and confidently explain that without being, um, I don't really know. Cause yeah. that's when the trust is gone and that's where all that work and making that cocktail is lost. Completely. So that's kind of how it goes up there, but they're great up there. I, my bar director works up there, Nick Dunn, Um, We work side by side, kind of ordering and figuring out new cocktails up there. And then uh, Pamela and Sam are the other two girl bartenders up there that do great work, have great um, hospitality. And then Sam is actually training with me down here to work down here. They call her my apprentice, which I don't appreciate, but I think it's very fancy. (laughs) Um, But she will be training down here pretty soon. So I've been preemptively telling all my regulars, you know, like, Don't bite her. She's nice. She's one of us. She appreciates the craft cocktail scene, and she cares about learning the spirits, which is huge for me.
0: Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. The last year provided so many challenges for restaurant owners. Now that they're finally getting a chance to open their doors again to the public, it can only be an exciting thing. However, some of those challenges still remain, like hiring new staff after having to let go of them for almost an entire year. That's where Hire Lilo comes in. Custom-built from the ground up by hospitality professionals, Hire Lilo is your destination for restaurant hiring. Applicants can create resumes on the site, set up meetings, use the virtual messaging system to communicate with potential hirees, and more. Restaurants also have a multitude of options to choose from, including selecting mandatory shifts for specific positions and more. The website is easy to use and is a perfect build-out for the hospitality industry. None of the other fancy stuff we're trying to compete with every other industry on the planet for new hires. As I said, it is hospitality-specific, making it your destination for hiring. Using the promo code STAYSTRONG, all one word, you can create a free job posting today and start to fill those hiring voids. HireLilo provides on-site help. They'll sit down and make sure that your restaurant is set up and properly ready to go and that you can utilize all the features HireLilo offers. To learn more or to create an account and get job posting now, go to HireLilo.com. That's H-I-R-E-L-I-L-O.com. Once again, that's HireLilo.com. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in, spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, A-G-I-R-L-O-O-M, Potage, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R dot com today once again that's heirloompotage.com you're surrounded by a lot of other restaurants that it's almost as common as putting a salmon salad on their menu that they're going to say that they offer craft cocktails that's something that i take umbrage with i think that you know it doesn't have to be a 47 ingredient you know homebrewed riff on a zombie to be a craft cocktail mm-hmm. but i do think there's a bit of a bastardization of that word you seem like you've kind of touched on that same frustration a little bit here but you still have to meet the speed that upstairs requires. And like so many restaurants, and I know that CDM's not alone on this, you increased your capacity with the outdoor dining movement. I know Craft House went through the same thing. Blake added seats there. A couple other people have done that. Do you find yourself at all worried so much about just completing each ticket when they fly through that it's kind of stifled that creative drive a little bit? Or are you still able to flex your muscles, like with the fat wash drink, kind of like you said, Mm -hmm. while still meeting that speed?
1: With the fat wash drink, I'd say that's one of the ones that the bartenders feel good about serving and they don't have to worry about it. It is pre-batched for them, so all they have to do is do four ounces of the pre batch to one ounce of fresh citrus that we juice in-house. No, we do not purchase paracone within here, so we do juice all our juices here. (laughs) I know it's just as good, supposedly, but... There's love in that juice I make. Um, So it's really simple and like they know it's going to be consistent every time, which is awesome, especially when guests love it so much that they want to keep ordering that drink. At least the bartenders there don't have to worry about like adjusting it. Um, So there's a couple of cocktails up there that aren't mine that definitely grind the bartender's gears as far as inconsistency. Like we have a, a hibiscus sour, gin sour upstairs and It's a two-shake process. Obviously, as a speed bartender, you're looking at that cocktail and you're like, "You mother effer. Why would you order this at 7.30? We have a full house, 100. It's just crazy. So stuff like that is tough. But for the most part, servers know not to get too wild. Like, they know not to do bartender's choice cocktails, which is not an option in our system upstairs, because I think my bar director would tear his eyes out, because that's just not, it's just not realistic They're not, they call themselves like, we're cooks, you're the chef. So if a bartender's choice does come up upstairs, usually somebody's running down to come get me to make a cocktail. So that's usually how that works. Um, Obviously, most of the cocktails on there are streamlined. So when we are in the weeds a little bit, you can, everything is coming out pretty consistent. It's when the modifications for less sweet, less spicy come in, where a lot of the issues start to arise. Because at the same time, servers should know. Yeah. But I... It's a palate read thing. Like if you're spending time with the table, you're going to start to gauge what they like to drink. Oh, you usually like skinny margaritas. Oh, I'll make sure to order this with no sweetener. Whereas our CDM margarita is already a skinny margarita. You should, that ticket should never read less sweet. Yeah. Unless that guest has had that and said it's too sweet. So
0: I'm glad you answered it the way you did, especially off the bat mentioning batched cocktails, because I think this is kind of one of those greater conversations that craft bartenders especially have is you know with batch cocktails obviously it speeds up your ticket time it speeds up process it speeds up some of the things that would just potentially take forever depending on the specs of the drink but you lose some of that showmanship uh some of the you know the not that it's flair bartending but some of the flair of making that drink now obviously everybody's situation is a little different right now at the time of this recording technically there's no indoor dining obviously that's kind of up to the discretion of every restaurant but you're still not getting that traditional interaction that you are with your bartender. Mm-hmm. So obviously I kind of assume where you stand on batching for the, the, some part, but where things like that, things like batching kind of where do you stand on that from the craft bartender perspective pro batch.
1: I'm pro batch. If you have a high volume restaurant, like mm. it is upstairs, I don't pre batch down here. Cause it seems like kind of a cheat. Like I have four tables and four bar seats. And like the reason people come down here is to see that I have all my fresh herbs out, all my fresh citrus is out. They want to see me muddle. They want to see me double shake. I smoke cocktails and everyone is in that line of sight towards me. Also, it's very dim down here. I basically sit on a stage the entire work shift.
0: I was going to say it, it, for people who haven't been to under CDM, um, the social media for it will be in the show notes and we'll probably get to it at the end of the show. So check it out. But it is it's theater down here. I mean, it's, it's very much theater down here and it's, it's, you know, again, when you're in service, I've been in here, it's dark, it's, you know, sensual, it's a little kind of mysterious. It's, Mm -hmm. it's fun.
1: It is. And it, if you'd never been down here before, a lot of new time guests, um, I love when I have a room of regulars and I'll have one table that's, oh, I'll have a glass of wine and like a vodka soda, which I do serve. (laughs) I didn't used to serve those down here, but I have mercy on your souls, people, You keto people. So they'll order it and then they'll see me just running out drinks, like different glassware. This one smoked, this one's on an ice cube. Whoa, she lit that twist on fire. What's that? And like without a doubt, the before the end of the night, they're what is what is going on? Like who made this cocktail? Yeah. I'm like, it's it's my menu. Like these are all my children essentially, these cocktails. And I do care about them each and every one. I've, maybe if tonight that's not what you're into, maybe come next time and we'll do a palate read is what I like to explain it to guests as, because I want to get to know them and what they like to drink and how, where their palate sits, salty, sweet, what, what have you. And then I'll have a good experience next time. If they didn't want to drink my fancy cocktails, I know it's like intimidating and my cocktail menu is very wordy. That's fine. But when I have other guests around them being comfortable ordering or they'll... I do a cocktail called the 411, and they'll always ask, Oh, what's that cocktail? And oh, I just asked Simone to make me something because I trust her. Hearing that come from another guest is so big for me. Yeah. And then for another guest to hear it, they're like, Oh, she knows what she's doing.
0: As somebody who is so young and at the same time so accomplished, obviously, even having great mentors in great areas and environments to learn, there's so much self education that goes into it. 2020 obviously had a lot of people at home. A lot of people were bartending at home. Obviously, liquor store sales were through the roof. Some of the reps that I'd had on the show said that they weren't doing on-premise at restaurants, but they're in, like, their on-premise liquor store visits were just skyrocketing. Mm. From your perspective, what are some things that people could still do to be less intimidated, to break the chokehold that Tito's Soda seems to have on so many folks?
1: Right. Even just like getting a different vodka you've never gotten and maybe... Like the Kettle One Peach or the Kettle One Botanicals, those are great ones. Obviously, read the label. You don't. I know they don't want it sugary, so don't be grabbing New Amsterdam because that's not that's not what you're looking for, honey. Get just get a different vodka and maybe instead of soda, get a Lacroix. You know, just baby steps. Put some fruit in there. Maybe next time you muddle it. Oh shoot, it's a vodka smash oh shoot, you have some fresh citrus? Put that in there too. It's probably going to taste good and you could probably adjust it.
0: (laughs) I know this is an audio podcast. I wish to God all of you could see the smile on her face right now because it is that easy. Just Mm -hmm. little changes. I mean, switch from, you know, a very, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but switch from a very large brand tonic that everybody knows with that yellow label and get yourself some fever tree. And again, and they're not sponsoring the show by any means. They're they want to they're welcome to You're but welcome. it's just better it's just little changes make a big big change I think in the long term it's
1: like baby steps I'm like it's not, I'm not gonna ask you to like make nut milk and then sh- reduce it and make or shot a French sweetener made from almonds but just try try something new or like I always let people know because my Instagram is on the menu I'm like just message me if you have a question and I do have a lot of guests who it'll be like Sunday at like 2am and they're like hey what are your specs for a margarita? I'm like, okay, I'm half asleep, but I'm going to respond. I like I, I appreciate the, the flex on it. So always message me. I think the internet is a great resource. Just know who you're reading it from. Um, I don't want to throw Pinterest under the bus, but I tried lock Pinterest cocktails in my time. and They're almost never good.
0: No, the um, the amount of information that's out there from so many credible people, and especially one of the things that I found in 2020 that I loved is restaurants did this a lot, but I saw a couple bars do it too, is they would put digital cookbooks online. Mm. Some of the time they were in an effort to gain money to support their staff. I know a couple restaurants that I adore up in Canada did that, and I bought the digital books. I think Momofoku just released a free one of like seven sheet pan recipes. You literally have like, their
1: cookbook in my bar. All oh, right, there it is right there. I love it
0: cocktail codex. I mean, just walk into Barnes and Nobles or a local bookshop if you still have one of those around and just grab something. Again, cocktail codex is a great place to start. Any of the Death & Co books, Mm -hmm. there's so much information that there's really no excuse to drink poorly. Right. From the emotional standpoint, getting away from the drinks and getting Mm -hmm. into the mental aspect of getting back. CDM, you know, like we said, it's a restaurant that really made a big splash when it opened. Rightfully so, I think in a lot of cases. What is it like for you coming back behind the stick, You know, taking the reins and kind of running the show down here, not just as a bartender looking to get back to work, but as a woman, as a woman with Latin origins, like after everything that 2020 put on the world with kind of social recognitions and things, how good does that feel to kind of have this space and be like, yeah, it's mine and I'm leading the show down here?
1: Um, I have such a big smile on my face because it feels wonderful. Like, I'm not going to front and be like, oh, it's whatever. Like, I'm humble. Like, this is a, is for me, this has semi been a long time coming because I feel like I've only grown since I've gotten here, truly. Um, I used to be with Ravin. Hi, Ravin. Friend of the
0: show. Hi, Ravin.
1: Hi, Ravin. Um, and he, we were our magic duo back here. Um, this bar is very small. So, when people come in and I tell them that there used to be two bartenders behind here, they say, what? And I say, mm hmm. Um, But we really danced around each other and he taught me a lot about presence and being there for the guests and how to make them feel special, um, which are all uh, facets in my bartending that I thought I lacked in. So I definitely learned a lot from him, but it was mostly a symbiotic relationship. We were constantly coming to each other week from week like, hey, I have this new syrup or hey, I have this new cocktail idea or like, here's this cool garnish I saw. We should try and incorporate this. So that was really nice to have that for the first year open. Cause I think if it would have been just me, I don't know where I would have gone. I needed somebody to guide me in some type of way because mm-hmm. I just have so many ideas that I don't know what to do with them. So that was really nice. But once Ravin kind of left the company and they offered me the position, I was kind of a little hesitant at first. I didn't know what their intentions were behind what they wanted this to be, but they kind of just let me have my freedom and they expressed The management team expressed that they support me in every way. We love your cocktails. There's a following for you. And that really meant a lot because I'm the type of person mentally that I will invest all my time into work to the point where I'm, I go home and I think about work. And if something goes wrong at work, I'm going to think like, I'll go to work thinking I'm going to get fired today. Today's the day they're done with my ish and it will be nothing. But for them to go out of their way to sit me down and say, we appreciate you. We appreciate the work you've done. We've been watching you this entire time. Like, we think what you do is wonderful. That's really special to me. So when guests come down and they're like, oh, is this your menu? I am, hell yes, this is my menu. And the cocktail menus upstairs are mine too. And I'm just so proud because obviously there's a disproportionate amount of women to men behind the bar. And I don't want people to see my age or my lack of years of experience or that I'm a girl or that I used to have a manager here and now it's just me. I want them to see me for my good cocktails and my good hospitality and just my love of food and the restaurant industry. Cause it really does come through. Cause even though guests come down here for cocktails, like anyone who does come down here, they know I don't shut the hell up about the food here. I eat here way too much. I'm here on my off days all the time eating, but The fact that I know enough to pair a cocktail with our food and I have the confidence behind our food to know that it's going to be delicious and it's going to pair well. Like the chicken piccata is going to taste great with the bodacious herbaceous because it's tart and it has sage and it pairs with the crispy capers on there. It's just all delicious. And those type of guests like to come in here. I say keep coming in here. If you like to support women behind the bar, come support me and support all my other lovely friends like Rachel Keeney and... um, I have to shout out. China just went back at Blind Rabbit mm-hmm. at the packing house. So I really should mention
0: sure. Rayno Keene- Rachel Keeney at the time of this recording just ended up at Mayfield. So whoop, whoop. George is turning that into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of restaurants down I there know. just picking up free agents left and right. I want to talk about one aspect of under CDM that's not the cocktails. It's not you establishing establishing yourself as kind of a dominant force in the bar program in Orange County. I wanna talk about the photo booth. Oh, so goodness. again, for those that haven't been there, under CDM, small, intimate, couple of tables, kind of, you know, red velour, it's sexy. And again, I like that you said you and Ravin dance back here. For people, when you see this bar in person, that's that's a very tight dance. So mm-hmm. I know nobody puts baby in a corner, but y'all literally in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> right across from the bar is the photo booth. I've been in the photo booth. Multiple friends have been in the photo booth. I'm looking at the ceiling to see if one of my photos are up there. I don't see them. And and for public safety reasons, that's probably for the best. (laughs) When you have no choice behind this bar, and we'll get back to this day soon when COVID kind of clears up. Ideally, there's no easy way to say it. Have you seen some shit in that photo booth?
1: I have seen so much shit here. Like, wow. (laughs) Like I had worked in Newport, but I worked in sleepy Newport for four years. Like, Prior to this, this is a different ball game. People have so much energy here. They don't even know what to do with themselves. So sometimes it'll be the photo booth is fun, but it's free, people. That's $11 for one strip at the OC Fair. You get two pictures, two four-roll pictures for free here. So I see the appeal, but more than a handful of times, I do have to remind people like, hey, It's been like 10 minutes and there's people waiting (laughs) in this small four-seat room for you to get out of the photo booth. Because it's not really intimate. There's just like this red um, curtain.
0: And that's why I wanted to ask. So if something is happening and would never imply that something would happen because this is a fantastic, well-established, well-respected business, but hypothetically, have you ever been making a drink and seen the flash of that photo booth and like just made a mistake on a drink maybe a shaker breaks maybe just a strawberry goes flying whether it was yours or otherwise
1: so I'm already blind partially blind from this photo booth <laughs> so I feel like at this point the little mechanism in my like retina or whatever that would be shocked by it is just unfazed by it I mostly react to it to let other people know that it is bright. they're like what was that and I was like that's the flash would you like to go take a photo wouldn't that be fun um, I'm pretty used to it. Guests aren't used to it, so I almost react for them so they know. Gotcha. Um, but for the most part, it's fine. It's usually when I hear, like, a little bit too much banging in there, like, banging elbows or, like, they're trying to really fit four people in what is a one-person photo booth.
0: Yeah, it's tight. It's compact. It's it's the photo booth version of your bar.
1: Right. I mean, it is um, – the photo booth itself, fun fact, is pre-World War II. The frame of it <clears throat> is an antique it was one of the few photo booths that wasn't used for ship making, apparently. Um, obviously, the camera and all that stuff is new. Yes, all the photos go to the cloud. Take with that what you will.
0: Um, That's awesome. I did not know that. Yes. Well, um, one thing that a lot of people have been kind of relearning after being off and out of work in whatever capacity for the past, you know, almost a year. We're recording this on what, the 9th. Yeah. Um, day after International Women's Day. So obviously very kind of serendipitous timing to be sitting down with a badass woman to record. Aww, thank you. What has it been like from the, you know, we could talked about muscle memory a little bit. What's it been like from that work-life balance jumping into it? You mentioned that you fully commit yourself to work. Yeah. How was it after not having work to be committed to for X amount of months?
1: So the first lockdown came at a wonderful time because I was burnt out. I was Like, like fully burnt out, like dramatics. I was telling my friends over FaceTime, I'm going to leave. I'm done with this industry. And like, I know every bartender's been there. It's just like, you just need to wallow in your pity for a little bit. So that first lockdown came at a great time. I was just tired. I spent, like I said, I spent all my time at work. I spent when I was not at work, I was thinking about work. I was thinking about how I messed up at work. So quarantine kind of brought it all back in. Um, First break, I was kind of like, I'm just going to live my life. I'm not going to worry about making cocktails or making money. I'm just going to enjoy the time off. And I did. Then I started to miss a lot of things. I started to miss making cocktails. I started to miss seeing people look surprised when I make them something they don't necessarily think they would have liked. And I knew that. This was four weeks in. I was like, oh, we're going to get back to work soon. Oh, my gosh. I better start getting, like, my mental health right. Wrong. Um, But it did give me a chance to kind of get back into therapy and, like, look. Because I was in therapy years ago. um, But it had been probably about three years. And I thought, do I have anything to complain about, really? Do I deserve a therapist? Like, I have a good job. I have a house over my head. I have a car. I'm not worried about money. I don't think I need a therapist. And then it all just kind of fell down when I went into that first session and just started talking about my life. And she says, what she say? She says I'm a doomsdayer. One thing goes wrong and I'm like, oh, I'm getting fired tomorrow. This is it for me, cruel world. And that's kind of me. Um, it's not me as much. It's me like 1% of the time. But just to refocus on mental health and taking time out for myself and knowing when to separate work from my personal life, um, even though I do where this is my passion, this I love doing what I do. It's okay to take a step back and to not have this be the center of my life. And having the moments before I go to work, not thinking about work, telling my managers, please don't text me before three o'clock because I don't need that type of stress um, has been really helpful and really refocus myself and appreciate and be grateful for every single day that I'm in here and grateful for the people that walk in the door and the people that I get to work with um, has been really important for me, but... Go to therapy, kids. It really helps. Whether or not you think you need it or not, it's really nice to talk to somebody unabashedly and unashamed. So that's all, what I think.
0: All things considered, though, it's good to be back.
1: Oh, it's wonderful being back. New food, new menus, season out. seasons are changing. We get to change the menu to spring. I'm so excited.
0: Well, yeah, we missed spring the last time around. So. Right, right. I was
1: <laughs> like, oh, I didn't even get to use my kumquats, man.
0: No, whatever menu you had in March, For better or for worse, it's it's now March again, so.
1: Oh yeah, she died last year. She's not coming back. I I realized, (laughs) I said they're all cursed. I was like, all those cocktails are cursed. They're never going to bring them. It was a dead menu, so.
0: Fair enough. Simone, I know you got a busy day. I don't want to keep you for too much longer. If people want to find you and DM you at two in the morning on a Sunday, like you said, to ask about Margarita Specs, where can they do that at?
1: Oh my gosh, please do. Uh, On Instagram, I am at Simone the Bardison. Yes, I made that word up, I think. Um, it's S-I-M-O-N-E, the, T-H-E, Bartison B-A-R-T-I-S-A-N. B-A-R-T-I-S-A-N. Um, or you could just, it's easier, at Simone underscore Rubio, as in the Rubio's Fish Grill. Um, you can find me on there. DM me, I almost always respond. Both of them are public, so it's pretty easy. Um, we also have the under CDM Instagram, which is just at under CDM. That one's not run by me, but it is run by our social media director, so... If You can always message her and she usually forwards the messages to me.
0: And obviously there'll be links for all of those in the show notes that you can click through and find. Simone, it's so good to see you. Thank you for taking the time today to sit down and get this episode in. I'm so glad that you are back and feeling good and continuing to come into your own as, uh, in my opinion, one of Orange County's premier bartenders. Ah,
1: thank you for the kind words. Uh, It feels a little surreal but I appreciate it. You know, I just want to keep growing and keep making cocktails and making people happy.
0: It's a good thing to do. All right, my friend, thank you so much.
1: Of course. Thank you. Thank
0: you to Simone for taking the time to sit down. I'm so grateful to call her a friend. I'm so grateful that you get to go to CDM, whether now or in the future at some point, whatever you're comfortable with and try her drinks. Uh, She's super talented. She's somebody that you should know. She's somebody you should follow. And she's somebody that can really, Teach. I mean, again, her knowledge just goes all over the place, as you obviously heard in that episode. CDM is a fun restaurant. It's a place to see and be seen. Um, it's not a very big building, but it pumps out the energy of a place five times its size and the style and personality to boot. So, credit to them for doing a good job. If nothing else, you're going to get some great drinks and some great people watching. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, thank you so much to Heirloom Potager and Hire Lilo for making this episode possible. Thank you to all of you on Patreon who make this episode possible, along with all the other content for The Best Seats. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at TheBestSeats, C-E-A-T-S, for those of you not reading right now. TheBestSeats.com for more info. Just like this content, blogs, videos. You know the deal. I don't have to tell you. You already know. Everybody enjoy. I'll see you out there. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of the best seats it is written edited produced and owned by myself Crawford mccarthy founder and owner of the best seats it is recorded in liso viejo california and subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats the following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier aka norm status and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode thank you from the bottom of my heart here are the supporters Alexander Cook, Katie Cassie, Serena Warino, Eric Lutz, Cheryl McCarthy, George Pavlov. Thank you for your support.